This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I want to tell you a little bit about Rectech. Last night, uh, we put steaks ooh, on the Rectech. They were so delicious. So, so very good. Uh, and it's so easy on the Rectech. You don't have to worry about burning them. You don't have to worry about anything because uh, it takes care of all of it. It has smart technology, and it's a better griller than I am. This this was a grill built by grillers, so it's people who go to those contests and you know try to have the best smoked meat. That's who built this, um, and it is built like a tank, and it is really simple to use. It is competitively priced. You go in and look at the best grill on the market now at Home Depot or wherever you buy your grills, and then AB Compare. Go to Rectech.com, R-E-C-T-E-Q.com, and AB Compare. No comparison at all. Not even close. Rectech, R-E-C-T-E-Q.com. Go there now. That is the slogan everybody thinks of the Biden campaign, but it wasn't. It is the slogan of the Great Reset. That's why it's used by politicians all over the world. Build back better. The Great Reset. Well, uh, we're not going to have a lot left over to build uh, soon. Remember, one of the things that they say is that by 2030, you will not own anything. But you're going to love it. I don't think so. I don't think so. But the attack on personal private property is just going through the roof. And is anyone paying attention? We are. We talk about two big cases in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. So what's keeping you from doing the things that you really want to do? Things that you just, you know, someday I'm going to do this. I learned from my father, do not wait to do the things you want to do. My dad said, someday I'm going to retire and I'm just going to play golf. I'm going to play golf every day. By the time he retired, he was his body was so broken down that he couldn't do the things that he wanted to do. So what's stopping you now? If it's pain, please listen. There is a possibility, a 70% chance if you try Relief Factor, that you can get out of pain doesn't work for everybody and you'll know in the next three weeks so may i ask you to just call 800-500-8384 800-500-8384 or you can go online to relieffactor.com again 
Just order the three-week trial pack because they don't want you buying a bunch of stuff that you're not going to use. And if it's not working for you at all in three weeks, it's not going to work for you. 70% of those who try it go on to order more month after month. I've had so many people in this audience write and say, I can't believe how I feel again. I can do the things I want to do. Do them. Stop wasting another day in pain. 800 500 It's relieffactor.com. The Biden administration announced yesterday that it supports waiving intellectual property protections for COVID-19 vaccines. Okay, let me give you the let me give you the compassionate story. Right now there are places in Africa that don't have the vaccine. Right now there are places like India that is exploding. And they need the vaccine. So, what do we do? Well, there's several things we could do. Um, We could all band together, and the United States government and the bully pulpit of the president could say, we need the vaccine, we need to help India. And I know this audience alone would raise, I mean, we've raised $50 million for for things before almost a drop of a hat in six months. If there's a real humanitarian crisis, the American people will step to the plate. Just ask them. They'll do it. So you could do that. You could um, encourage through churches that they raise money to, to buy vaccines. You could even go to the companies and say, hey, um, is there anything that you guys can do? Can you help these countries out? They are massively slammed right now. Those would be the things that would come to my mind. I would not say, you know what? Yeah, there's something we can do. Just take the patent away. Just tell all the companies around the world. Just tell them, here's the formula. We have it. Oh, and by the way, it's not just the formula for this vaccine. It is the way to make the vaccine. It is something that has been in development by some of these companies for 40 years. And we're just supposed to give that up. I wouldn't consider that as president of the United States. And here's why. Who is incentivized to help anybody to come up with any kind of vaccines, life-saving vaccines, if they know at any time the government can come in and just take it? The thing I that always pisses me off about Robin Hood is it drives me out of my ever-loving mind. It's just like Robin Hood taken from the rich and given to the poor. No, no, that's not what Robin Hood did. Um, you're leaving out half the story. The government with the sheriff came in and took everything from the poor. So Robin Hood wasn't stealing from the rich. He was going back to collect all the things and the money that had been taken by the oppressive government to give it back to the original owners. That's the story of Robin Hood. But today's world, they'll say, Robin, this is Robin Hood. Look, these companies have so much money and are just going to get rich off of this. And so we ought to take it from them. 
They won't even notice. Well, in this case, that's kind of true. This the covid vaccine is such a small, small part of the bottom line of just one company that makes the little blue pill. Do you think that they're like, oh, man, this vaccine. (laughs) Now we get rich. There will always be a lack of erections for somebody. (laughs) And they are taking care of that. This is not even in that category. Okay. So what, what would you do if you were at Pfizer or you were at one of these companies? When the president comes out and says, vaccine supply for American people is secured now. But uh, we're going to we're going to work with the private sector and, and all possible partners to expand vaccine manufacturing and distribute uh, and distribution. Uh, you know, uh, we're, we're going to we're going to do those things. But, you know, uh, I I think that maybe we should uh, maybe end the patent protection. The only thing that makes me happy is a lot of these companies are part of the Great Reset. They've all bought into the Great Reset. We're going to be partners we're going to be a public-private partnership, and we're going to be protected. It'll be all the other companies that won't be. Yeah, they're going to come and eat your lunch too, Jack. You're just going to be the last one that they eat, but they will eat you. If I were at one of these companies today, I would not only gear up with my attorneys, I would, just as a PR campaign, because it won't cost you that much in the grand scheme of things, I would just say... India, I would have actually done this last week, but, you know, I'm, I, wait a minute, I am a doctor. Maybe I could get a job there. Uh, I would have last week, when I found out about India, or two weeks ago, I would have said, you know what, guys, make sure that America, the home base, is taken care of, but what can we do to help India? India, we're just going to send you, worry about the price later, or, you know, here's a bunch of it free just to get you started, but here you go. That's what these companies should do on their own. You know, Ben Franklin was big into patents, really big into patents. Why? Because patents protect the inventor. They protect the investor. They protect. You can have the greatest idea. I have ideas. Oh, my gosh. I have ideas for Disney that only Disney kind of money would be able to pull off. And they are great. I've told them to several people. I've tried to tell them to Disney, but they won't take new ideas. I've told them to several people. I mean, people like former people at WED. And they would be, and they were like, that's fantastic. Yeah, I know. But it would take Disney-style money to do. Okay. That's the reason you have patents. Because I got a million ideas, but not the money to pull them off. Somebody does. If I pitch it to the right person, will they do it? And should, if it's a huge success, should they then lose money because somebody goes, that's a great idea. And you know what? We really need that. For instance, the iPhone, the cell phone, the connectivity that we all enjoy right now, being able to do everything on our iPhone. There you could convince a lot of Americans that you couldn't live without your iPhone today. 
oh, and I love this argument, why don't we just revoke the patent for the iPhone and let anyone make the iPhone? It's really kind of essential that everyone has an iPhone. You know, for as wonderful and utopian that that world seems to be, um, soon as you start doing that, the people who do have ideas stop having ideas because they're not willing to make an, a better mousetrap. Because why? I mean, I'll make it maybe a better mousetrap for my house, but why am I going to try to gather a bunch of people and say, hey, let's make a company because this will really serve? Because you're Jesus? No. That's not going to happen. You have to have the human incentive of being able to make something. Now, you also strive to be a person like Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin believed deeply in patents because it protects people. <sighs> However, he was the greatest inventor of the day, and he never took a patent out on anything. He's the guy who came up with a potbelly stove. Do you know how many people that saved? Do you know how many women, women's lives were saved by Ben Franklin? Because the potbelly stove didn't have an open flame. I can't remember the number, but it was, it's an incredible. Do you remember this stat, Stu? It's like no. 20% of all deaths of women. Uh, the, the, I think it was the leading cause of death of women besides natural causes and that includes childbirth, I think was fire. They burned to death because they had the skirts and they were near the open fire and they would catch fire and burn to death. It was awful. He came up with a potbelly stove. It was much safer. It was smaller. It was economical. It worked to heat people's houses. He thought, I should share this with everybody. I don't need the money. And it was his choice. Would Ben Franklin have invented all of those things if it, he was forced to do it by the king? I don't think so. I don't think so. This is the problem with Marxism. It takes away every human natural trait. As much as I wish things didn't mean stuff to me, they do. They do. And I can try to be Gandhi, but I'm sorry. I really like that. I like that. And I like the fact that that's mine. And I worked hard to get that. And I worked hard because I wanted to have that, collect that, live in that, drive that. That's, that is what humans do. And we can all go to church and try to change that or gain perspective on that and balance that. But you can't expect people to suddenly just go, oh, you know what? Huh. Geez, why didn't Joe Biden pass that executive order earlier? I now don't care about any stuff. And I want to work hard just for the collective. Screw my own personal interests. It's not going to happen. That's why Marxism always ends in concentration camps, because it's not normal. It's why everyone who's a Marxist has to shut everyone else down, because the 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 one human trait that they think 
will will beat every other human trait is fear. If you are afraid, then you will go along with it. But nobody will go along. Nobody in this country would go along with the with the cancel culture, with any of the crap that's being jammed down your throat right now. If they weren't afraid, some would, but it would be probably less than 10 percent. The rest of the people would be like, I don't care. I don't care. The only reason why they do care is because the Marxists have made you afraid and afraid of what? Of losing what you own. Losing your job, which in turn has you lose your house and your car and your status. Those are human nature traits. And this administration and others in it are coming for your right to own your name, your ideas, your property, your home, your car, whatever it is. And it's happening today. We just mentioned about what's happening with these pharmaceutical companies. Give me one second and I'll show you how it's happening to people who own homes. 60 seconds. All right. Here's something you want to own until the government comes and takes it from you. Uh, just like everything else. Uh, that is gold from Goldline. Yesterday, I told you about a big, 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 big investor who has you know, been on CNBC since before there was a CNBC. He's like 79 years old. And, um, and he's always made fun of people who buy gold. Always. Because he's like, it's not, it's not something that is just going to grow out of control, blah, blah, blah. You can make so much more money elsewhere. Well, I've always told you I don't buy gold as an investment. I buy it as a hedge against insanity. Well, that's kind of what he said a couple of days ago. He said, I kind of feel foolish because I've always made fun of those people. But now I see what's happening to the dollar and how they're debasing it and how there's not going to be a dollar. And the only thing left that will have any value is gold. I mean, he even didn't think land was as good. Things are changing. Things are changing and they're changing rapidly. Please, it's not a difficult process. Just call Goldline today. Find out how you can get started. You don't have a lot of money. Well, do, do you have a 401k or a, a self-directed IRA? Right now, if you have Goldline uh, work on your self-directed IRA, they'll give you 6% in free metals just by going in and, and doing it. It is a way to protect and hedge against the dollar on your retirement account. They're waiting to hear from you right now. Please call them at 866-GOLDLINE. That's 866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. 10 seconds, station ID. So, Stu, I just went off and I meant to have more of a conversation with you, but... Uh, sorry about that with the with the prescription drug takeover. Um, let's look now at the houses. A federal judge just overturned the CDC. Thank God. Tell me what this story is all about. Yeah, basically, the 
the reason why there was a, a moratorium on evictions in the country was because the CDC basically said, look, you know, it's a pandemic. We can't be putting people out in the street. We're telling people to stay inside. So we can't have people be evicted right now. I mean, you can understand the generic thought process of that point. Um, of course, it creates all sorts of other problems, like, for example, mm-hmm. landlords who now can't get anyone to pay rent because everyone is telling them they're not they don't have to. So, you know, there's all sorts of stories of landlords going to house uh, to these houses over and over and over again. People, ref- even though they're getting checks from the government, are refusing to pay the rent because they know they don't have to. And instead, they're, you know, they're looking through the windows and they're seeing big screen TVs that are brand new because they just got a check from the government to pay for the TV, but they're not paying rent. And so these landlords uh, who continue to have to pay maintenance on the house, who continue to have to pay mortgages on the house, who continue to have to pay the taxes on the house and all of the other associated costs of running a business like this, uh, they are unable or unable to be able to get the actual income from these homes and are going bankrupt they're running up their credit cards and and all these other things yeah but they but didn't get evil. the bailout they're evil landlords but they're evil mm-hmm. landlords so why do i care well you know they're uh, many of them aren't uh evil landlords no no, no they're landlords no i know i understand the great reset point here in this conversation <laughs> uh, but you know like the washington post had a great story about a guy who was an immigrant who came over here and built the american dream out of buying Houses in low-income areas, fixing them up and renting them to uh, lower middle-class um, uh, types who have been able to improve these uh, these areas immensely, because you know it's 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 helped bring revitalize an entire community. And now, yeah, those but he people took his money and he. Yeah, but he took his money and he bought a Mercedes. Yeah, I know. And so was... when he drives, when he drives by, this was in the story. Yeah. When he drives by some of the houses of the people and he sees the new big screen TV that the government bought for them and he's not getting rent from those people, they just look out the window and say, yeah, but he drives a Mercedes. Why should I give it to him? Right. That is basically oh what the gosh. what they said in the story. Uh, so. Yesterday, they had a a ruling came out from a federal court that said, basically, look, we the legislation gets to decide whether it's a good idea to have a moratorium on on uh, evictions. That's something the legislation gets to do. Our our goal here and our charge here is to just say, does the CDC have the legal authority to ban evictions over the entire country for a year? And uh, mm. they do not. That's the way <laughs> they said. Uh, they do not. They do not. <laughs> they do not. No. They do not. Thank God. However, this has caused all kinds of problems. They believe it's one of the reasons why people are having a hard time finding houses to buy. And the reason why housing, spi- uh, housing prices, existing housing prices, uh, are, are going up because of the CDC. Josh Hawley next. The Glenn Beck Program. Let me tell you about Car Shield. Uh, there is nothing worse. There's never a good time for your car to break down. I don't care. You could be Bill Gates and somebody could, you know, phone him from the front of his car and say, excuse me, Mr. Gates, um, the car is broken down. He would never say, oh, okay, perfect time. It's great. I wasn't going to do anything anyway today and you know, I didn't want you to uh, to be bored. Uh, so now your day in 
probably a few days, just going to be disrupted like crazy. Congratulations on that. It's perfect timing. Never, never does that happen. Never do you get a, a bill from your car after it broke down and you're like, oh, this is perfect. Okay, good. This is great. I was wondering what I was going to do with that $2,000. Never happens. So prepare for those uh, surprises that nobody likes. With CarShield, get coverage after your warranty expires with CarShield.com. See why CarShield cars go further. A deductible may apply, but this is really going to save your butt. CarShield.com, promo code BECK. And get to BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Promo code is Glenn. Uh, get to your subscription to Blaze TV now and save 10 bucks. So we have been talking about the loss of property rights, patent rights. Uh, let's talk about the loss of your right to speak freely, uh, to gather uh, with people that you, um, you know, agree with, to petition the government. All of these things are going away, and a lot of them are going away because of what Senator Josh Hawley calls the tyranny of big tech. We welcome the uh, senator uh, from Missouri to the program. Hello, Senator Hawley. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. You bet. Um, You know, the news of the last couple of days has been how Facebook, Twitter, they're just going to continue to ban Donald Trump. Uh, And they're saying because he was part of that giant insurrection, the worst attack on our republic since the Civil War. Yeah, you know, I don't think that's why they're banning him. Go ahead. Yeah, well, no, it's uh, well, why they're banning him is they don't like his speech and they're banning him and can get by with it, Glenn, because they're monopolies and all of their c- customers and consumers have nowhere else to go because there's no competition. So you think about, well, my gosh, I don't like what Facebook's doing. Where would I go? What platform would I go to that would be different than Facebook and have different rules? The answer is nowhere because Facebook is a monopoly and they are actively buying up competition and suppressing new entrants in the market. Ditto with Twitter. We saw a parlor a competitor to Twitter, tried to try to get off the ground earlier this year. And what happened back in January? Well, Twitter and Amazon and Apple and Google got together and canceled Parler within the space of like 48 hours. So these right. are monopoly companies with monopoly power over speech. And we've got to do something about it. So one of the things you've written a, a new book um, called The Tyranny of Big Tech. And I think this is The one thing I'm glad you're dealing with it. I mean, there's a lot of big talk in the Senate, but I don't see anybody actually going for the throat of people um, and doing anything, proposing anything that actually will change and release the chokehold they have. Uh, Part of it, I think, is because of money. But I think also part of it is they are so incredibly powerful because of the information that they have. Uh, Why is it we can't get our government to move on them? Well, I think part of that is because big tech has purchased so much influence in Washington and on Capitol Hill. They have spent a decade or more purchasing lobbyist influence and think tank influence and academic influence and and, uh, influence on congressional staffs in terms of staffers that they recruit to come join them. You know, it's really, it's really, really extraordinary. And you see how they really doubled down in this last election, dumping money into the Biden-Harris campaign. I mean, you talk about trying to buy access to the White House. These companies have done it, 
And that's one of the reasons why mm-hmm. the, the Democrats right now are delighted with the power of big tech. They love, they sure. secretly love the monopoly status because these companies will censor in a way the government couldn't. And the Democrats want them to do that and they want them to do more of it. They they politic all the time for them to do more of it. Uh, it and it is it is terribly frightening. I think they don't want Donald Trump uh, back online because they know he can draw a crowd and you you don't want anyone who can unite the other side they're too busy dividing you can't have somebody that can unite and bring a coalition that can actually stand against uh this this movement uh, from the left no that's that's exactly right it's an effort to silence on big tech's part an effort to silence voices of opposition with whom they disagree and who represent a contrary view you see you saw them do it Back in the fall, when they tried to suppress reporting on Hunter Biden and Joe Biden locking the New York Post out of their account on Twitter, Facebook, yep. not allowing the story to be circulated and distributed. I mean, you talk about a brazen intervention in a presidential election. I mean, trying to influence and stop the news during a presidential election. And then even more so in January, of course, where they deplatformed the former president, where they kicked bunches of conservatives off of, off of Twitter and, and Facebook and these platforms and uh, where they canceled Parler. I mean, so this is real power, Glenn. This is monopoly power. And to your point about what we're going to do about it, we've got to break these companies up. We, we cannot try and go along to get along. You've got to break these companies up. And you've also got to give American citizens the right to go to court and to sue these companies if they take action against them based on political viewpoint. That's my view. Give Americans the power to go to court, break up these companies. I'd like one more thing. They're making all this money because of all the information they're gathering on us. Who I am, what I do belongs to me, not to them. Just because they have given me a device that allows them to follow me, I really don't like the power that they have of following me, monitoring me, uh, analyzing me, predicting me. Uh, no, thank you. I'd like to opt out on that. And if you want to sell my information as I opt in, you can do that and you'll get a slice of it. But so will I. That's right. And, you know, these companies, their business model is built on taking our data and our personal information without our consent, to your point, Glenn, and then selling it or monetizing it without our permission. And without any say from us of any kind, and I agree with you 100 percent, individuals ought to be able to control their own information. It is private property. It's our private property. In the same way, families, parents ought to be able to control their kids' information. These tech companies track your kids around. They build dossiers in your kid. I say this as a parent of three small children. You know, this is crazy, creepy stuff that they currently get by with, and we've got to stop it. We've got to give people control again over their own property, over their own data. So I'm very libertarian in my views of of business, and I have really wrestled with two things. In the past, I have wrestled with the, quote, robber barons. Many of those guys were not robber barons. Um, Some of them were. And I've always wondered, when you amass so much wealth and power, uh, how how do you stop that from... Uh, from affecting everyone or infecting everything. Uh, And the only way that I can come up with that I'm comfortable with is you cannot lobby laws. The law and the government must be completely separate and blind from corporations. 
But I don't think that's possible. How do you stop the because these I think you would agree with me. The people like Zuckerberg will be remembered as really bad robber barons taking from people, getting rich and then doing what they want and many times against the interest of the people. That's certainly how they're behaving now, Glenn. There's no doubt about it. And I think when you look at at American history, where we draw the line, those of us especially who believe in free markets, who believe in free competition and who believe in capitalism, where we draw the line is to say, you know, we, we want people to be successful. You bet. We want businesses to be successful. Yes, we do. What we do not want to see, though, is a business amass a bunch of market power and then use it to suppress competition and use it yes. to suppress innovation and use it to try and control the political process, which is what we're seeing from these tech companies. That's, I think, where we need to draw the line. I mean, in my view is, is that breaking up monopolies reinforces the market because it introduces new competition. So I'd like to see more competition. I'd like to see more businesses. I'd like to see more yeah. choice for consumers out there. And if we had more competition, these guys would have less power. But right now, the amount of power they have is frightening. I will tell you that in your book, you talk about the Apple App Store, and you're absolutely right. I remember the first time I wanted to put an app on there, and I realized they take, I can't even remember what it is, some obscene amount of money, like 30% of everything. Mm -hmm. And you're like, what? And there's no negotiation. They tell you exactly how the app has to run. They tell you everything about your own business. And I thought, wow, that's, that's a company that's completely out of control. And look how much money they're getting because they're the only option. They're the only option. Is the Apple tax, the the, the infamous Apple tax that you just referenced. You're right. And what they also usually do is, you know, with your, let's say your app, for instance, Glenn, then they take all of your data about your customers. Yes. So Apple says, you got to give us everything, you know, all of the info. It's crazy. It's really bad. So you, the, the name of the book, we're talking to Senator Josh Hawley about his new book, uh, The uh, Tyranny of Big Tech. Um, it's my understanding that Simon & Schuster actually had this book. And we can talk for hours about Simon & Schuster. I just ended my 10-year prison sentence with these people um, uh, uh, because they had a hostile takeover and they just, it just eliminated any conservative in that company. Um, but you had a contract with them on this book. What happened? Well, they canceled it. I mean, this is the book is all about how big tech is trying to control our politics and trying to control free speech. And then big tech uh, teamed up uh, with this corporate publisher to try to cancel this very book. I mean, you talk about irony. But Simon & Schuster originally commissioned the book. And then in January, uh, following uh, January 6th, uh, Simon & Schuster turned around and said, oh, we're going to we're going to try to deplatform Holly. We're going to cancel this book. They accuse me of helping incite a riot at the United States Capitol, which is totally and 100 percent false. And by the way, they know it's false. But what they did is bow down to the, the big t- tech uh, Twitter mob. You had a big a Twitter uh, petition that started that said, deplatform Holly, cancel his book contract, take this away, silence him. And uh, Simon and Schuster got right in there with them. You know, I'm grateful that there's still independent businesses and independent uh, publishers in this company. So my book it was not canceled. It's available now. And I just said, Glenn, my view is this. With this cancel culture, you've got to go out and take a stand and refuse to be canceled. And that's what I said at the time. I am not going to go along with this. I'm, I refuse to be cowed. I refuse to be silenced. I refuse to be canceled. I'm going to keep speaking whatever forum I can. And, and I'm glad that the book found its way to print. 
Yeah, good for you. Uh, again, the name of the book is um, the, uh, the Tyranny of Big Tech. One last question I can't leave out. You, I love you for this. You tie Woodrow Wilson into uh, big tech and really kind of point to him as kind of the guy of the modern oligarchy. Uh, and I think that's really what we're headed for is a is an oligarchy where these guys are in bed with the government. The government's in bed with the big businesses and they're controlling everything. And we just go along. Um, and it it is really difficult because at the time it seemed as though it was a socialist movement a communist movement progressives said we're going to take it step by step because we don't believe in the bloody revolution of 1917 but it's not it is really an oligarchy and i think that's becoming very very clear to people now on both the left and the right Wilson, I think, really begins this begins this trend of, of embracing corporate power and monopoly power. He's also our first globalist president in many ways, uh, someone who wanted to, wanted the United States to become a, a liberal empire uh, uh, worldwide, and, and wanted the United States to, to be to enmesh its economy with the global economy. And so, there's you know, the globalists tend to love Wilson, and there's a real reason for that. And Wilson, I think, begins. This, this trend in American politics, he ushers in a new era in American politics where, you know, it's, it's really sort of form of corporatism where you see these big, mm-hmm. huge corporate behemoths and the government says, well, look, you know, here's how we'll deal with them. We'll get big government and the big corporations together and together we'll kind of run things. You know, big mistake, big, big mistake. And this gets back to the Republican Party, conservatives, our roots in, in free markets, in competition in the rights of individuals and families. And that's what we've got to recover. And we've got to get back to a place where individuals have power over their own property. Individuals have a say and control over their own government and not these mass, not these oligarchs in Washington, D.C. or Silicon Valley. I'd love to talk to you more about this because you also put uh, Teddy Roosevelt, who I love and hate at the same time, uh, in his proper place on this. And that is the disease that permeated the GOP. Uh, and had the GOP kind of really pretty much going on the same line as the uh, progressive Democrat. Senator Josh Hawley, the author of the book, The Tyranny of Big Tech, an important book, small book, and easy to read, The Tyranny of Big Tech. Josh Hawley, thank you so much. Appreciate it, Senator. Thanks for having me. You bet. We need to spend an hour with him. I need to do a... uh, a show with him a podcast by the way i've got uh, jordan peterson on the podcast today that's coming out tonight on blaze tv and you'll hear it on the uh, podcast for everybody on saturday but you can get it a couple of days early if you're a subscriber to blaze tv if you haven't heard by now hustler turf makes the best zero turn lawnmowers for both homeowners and landscaping professionals with deck sizes as small as 34 inches which can fit through most residential gates all the way up to 104 inches. So they have the perfect size no matter what you need. By the way, the 104-inch mower, it can cut a football field in less than 10 minutes. So whatever size you need, they have it. They've been building these industrial lawnmowers for so long, zero-turn industrial lawnmowers, um, and now they're available to you on a residential scale. The reason why I mention that is because they have been built for, what, four decades, five, six decades now, um, built to mow lawns 
eight hours a day, six days a week. So they are built to last. You're never going to find a lawnmower like a Hustler. Go to a Hustler dealer. Find one near you at HustlerTurf.com. That's HustlerTurf.com. Go test drive zero-turn lawnmowers all you want. Make sure that you find a Hustler dealer and go to HustlerTurf.com and test drive a Hustler because there is no comparison. It's HustlerTurf.com. That's HustlerTurf.com. You are listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Yesterday, we talked about a Tennessee lawmaker uh, who was trying to explain to his fellow lawmakers the three-fifths clause in the Constitution and do it accurately and historically. It didn't work out well for him. It did not. I I went through all this on Studios America last night. It's worth going back because this is one of those things that is constantly repeated. And they trashed this guy in the media, lied about it constantly. But let me just give you this one piece of evidence, Glenn. Frederick Douglass. He said, quote, the three-fifths clause is a downright disability laid upon the slave-holding states, slave-holding states, one which deprives those states of two-fifths of their natural basis of representation. Therefore, instead of encouraging slavery, the Constitution encourages freedom by giving an increase of two-fifths of political power to free over slave states. That's not me. That's not some random conservative. It's Frederick freaking Douglass. And Frederick Douglass, by the way, thought... He went into it thinking that the Constitution was exactly what Marxists say it is. Mm -hmm. And then he was asked, have you read it? He read it. He studied it. He read the words of the founders and was like, this is the great emancipating proclamation the world has ever seen. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Thank you so much, Hillary. Uh, today, our sponsor is Hustler Turf. Uh, Hustler Turf, you know, we're going to talk about uh, a fantastic product. These are guys that that came up with this idea of the zero-turn lawnmower a long time ago. Uh, and, you know, now that spring is here and summer is around the corner, um, you know, the grass is growing like crazy. You're going to have to go out and cut it. You're going to have to do that, and, and you might as well do it in style, right? I mean, these are the people who came up with this idea to make – mowing the lawn not a complete catastrophe like it was when i was a kid and i had to do it and it came out really uneven and i missed a lot of spaces and i usually spent most of the time outside yelling expletives uh hustler turf makes it easy makes it enjoyable to be outside mowing the lawn and this is the technology that was like you know industrial level stuff that they're bringing to your home now so you're gonna get this done faster and better than than you could possibly imagine uh, make sure you get the uh, check out. I mean, look, you're gonna go, you're gonna get a new lawnmower this year. If you're gonna do that, why not check out Hustler Turf? They're the best in the business. The best in the business. Uh, Hustler Turf. Uh, let's go to uh, Hustler Turf. Uh, check it out now. I can follow them on all of the uh, social media as well as hustlerturf.com. Check it out now. Hustlerturf.com. You can test drive one now. Hustlerturf.com. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. It is Thursday. We have a jam-packed show today and a jam-packed hour. I want to get right to it. They have, the left has already taken over uh, access to information. 
you know, through social media, also through the regular corporate media. And they've taken over education, changing the way we look at history, the way we view ourselves, our traditions. And now they're working hard to make sure they never lose an election again. What's happening with the census and redistricting? We begin there in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. Patricia lives in Michigan. She's been living with pain in her knees and her hips for nearly a decade. For the longest time, she just braced herself every day and dealt with it because she was in her 60s. And she's like, that's what happens when you get older. But it doesn't have to. She was listening to this program one day. She heard me mention Relief Factor and how it had taken away my pain and given my life back, which it has. She decided, I don't know what I have to lose. I could be one of the 70% who try it, who go on to order more because it works for them. She, uh, she wrote to me and she said, I'm glad I did. A couple of weeks after starting the three-week uh, quick trial, she began to feel better. First, it was just a little. Then her pain just went away. Patricia, I am so happy you have your life back. I have my life back. Will you give it a try? I invite you to just call Relief Factor. The number is 800-583-84. 800-583-84. It's relieffactor.com. The Republican leader on the House Oversight Committee is uh, Congressman James Comer from uh, Kentucky. We welcome uh, him to the program uh, today. Congressman, how are you, sir? I'm great, Glenn. Thanks for having me on. Good. Um, Thank you for coming on. I want to talk to you about the census because something hinky is going on. And with H.R. 1, we see that the Democrats are willing to do anything to protect themselves uh, and to try to guarantee that they will never lose another election. And the census came out, uh, it was finished, and all of a sudden it was supposed to be released. When was it? Uh, the first of the year? And it's, it's now it's being. Yeah, right. Go ahead. You tell the story. Wait, You'll be better at it. I apologize. It's supposed to be released December 31st, but they had even said. Uh, the previous census director, that they might wrap it up by September the 30th. So uh, that was what we were going by. And then the election happens and things start changing. We don't hear from the census director. And then uh, the end of the year approaches and they say, well, it's going to be March before we get the final results in. And then finally in May, they release the results. But along the way, they were releasing estimates, estimates. And, and historically, the final results aren't very far off the estimates, you know, maybe a fraction. The estimates were that Arizona was going to gain a seat, that Texas was going to gain three seats, that Florida was going to gain two seats. And then when the results come out, came out, uh, Arizona gained none, but Colorado out of the blue gained one. Uh, Texas only gained two. New York was supposed to lose two. They barely lost one by 89 people. And then Illinois was supposed to lose two, and they only lost one. So what happened was the final results were very different than the estimates, and they heavily fell in the favor of the blue states and the Democrats. So, you know, as someone that travels a lot, it seems to me like people are moving out of those blue states to the south, to the red states. Right. According to the census, that's not what happened. 
So what do we take from this? I mean, some people I've, I've heard from some Republicans are like, no, it's really working in our favor. It doesn't matter. I don't care whose favor it's it's working towards. I want an accurate census and I want to know what the truth is. We, we have to trust the system. So uh, what do we do here? Well, the House Oversight Committee has jurisdiction over the, the census and during the process of last year, uh, the former census director uh, was uh, Director Dillingham. He would come periodically and update us on the census. And obviously they had the COVID situation and uh, you know, mm-hmm. they, they halted people from knocking on doors and all that. But a majority of Americans did it online this year. So that was, uh, you know, something in that had changed from previous censuses. But once the election occurred, we, we lost communication with Dillingham. And then when Biden took office, they asked for Dillingham's resignation. Now, the White House is not supposed to be involved in the census. The census is supposed to be independent of the White House. And that was one of the things the Democrats always criticized Trump saying, well, he's interjecting himself in the census. He was not. He just said what a majority of Americans want and that there should be two counts, a count of who all is over here and how many are over here illegally, and we don't reward right. states like California that have three electoral college votes from illegal immigration residents. Right. Yeah. So, so uh, they didn't, when they released those results uh, last week, they didn't have a press conference. They didn't update the House Oversight Committee. They didn't say, okay, these are the results, and you probably have a question why all these red states didn't as well as as we were estimating over the past two years but uh, this is why and, and it was just here's the numbers and and this affects as you know congressional representation for the next 10 years so we have a lot of questions we've requested information from the new census director i don't even know who he is because i've never met him uh the one that biden i guess put in and when we requested that information, they referred us to the White House. What in the world is that all about? The White House is supposed to be independent of the census. So I feel like there are a lot of questions that need to be answered, and they need to be answered now because these state legislatures are going to start redistricting. So it's a, it's it's just a lot of suspicious activity, and we're trying to get to the bottom of it. This also affects... Not just because of redistricting, but it also affects the 2022 election because this is now such a mess that uh, we, we Congress people who are running don't know exactly who they should be targeting in their campaigns. Right. That's exactly right. My, uh, I believe that my rural district in Kentucky, I'm going to have to add. 75,000 people that's you know in Kentucky that, that's about three or four new counties so but we have no idea what to how to draw the lines yet because they gave the they gave the results for the state but they didn't break it down by counties and, and cities so obviously you have to know that to be able to draw the line so there and, are more questions I, than answers let me be let me think as if I were nefarious uh, is there a possibility that one side gets that information, seeing now that it's being directed by the White House, one side gets that 
that information sooner than the other side and that can affect elections? It's possible. Anything's possible. I've learned with the Biden administration the first hundred days, but we haven't detected that yet. And, you know, eventually they're going to have to come out with the the results from a county by county breakdown. So are you in a position in the oversight committee? Are you in a position of doing anything really about this because the Democrats control it? Right. Well, we've got new power on the oversight committee is Elijah Cummings when he was a ranking member when the Republicans were in the majority and and Trump was in the White House. The Democrats filed a lawsuit saying the minority members of the oversight committee should have more authority to receive information from the administration. Uh, long, Mm. Long story short, the court finally ruled in favor of the minority. Well, now the Republicans are in the minority and the administration's a, a Democrat. So we've got the ability to receive information. It's just this is supposed to come from the census and not the administration. Not the White you know, this House. is a separate deal. So we'll if we have to file suit and go through the courts to get this information, we're going to do it. We're not going to let up on it. It's too important. This comes around every 10 years. And it's clearly in the jurisdiction of the House Oversight Committee. It's just, I mean, it's written in the conference. It's, it's written in the Constitution that way. So there's no, it's not, it's not going to take a judge to, well, I'm not sure what they meant by that. It's clearly right. spelled out that it is to Congress and not any other branch. Correct? That, that's correct. You're correct. Okay. Boy, I don't know how you guys do it every day, but uh, we pray for you. <laughs> we pray for you. Thank you so much, uh, Congressman. Thank you for having me on, Glenn. Appreciate it. You, you bet. You bet. Um, you can uh, follow him, James Comer, uh, Comer, C-O-M-E-R dot house dot gov. Uh, he is the congressman from Kentucky. I mean, Stu, it is like the, I mean, they are just doing everything to screw up the next election. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that does seem to be uh, something they're attempting to do. They're, I mean, they, they've always been trying to do uh, what they can do to give themselves an advantage. But with everybody ha- having so many issues with the last one, it's you hate to you hate to see this. I mean, it it really pushes us down a road that we do not want to go down. You know, there's um, c- can you have somebody look up a story? I, I don't even remember. I remember very little of it, but it was a story that came out last year that talked about how the Democrats had a think tank where they were looking at the powers of the cabinet. Do you remember the story? Yeah. And they were they were it it was, you know, with uh, kind of a Cass Sunstein kind of look at who which cabinet members had their hands on dials or who had access to dials, buttons and levers that they could change and tweak. And together, all of those little changes in each cabinet would fundamentally transform things and nobody would even know about it. Nobody would. They wouldn't have to go through Congress and it would change things. Yes, I do. remember We that story. Yeah. should mm-hmm. probably look that story back up mm-hmm. and. uh and see who is involved in that and see how things are going. Because this is very, very well coordinated. We've said this, I don't know how many times. 
historians will look back at this and they will say, I can't believe Americans fell for this. And the argument will be, it was brilliant. It was brilliantly done. These people had the arguably some of the best minds and the biggest capital on earth. And they did their homework for decades. They did their homework and they, they laid the plans carefully and executed them really flawlessly. I mean, this is the biggest heist of freedom of money in the history of the world. And it will be remembered as that at some point. All right, uh, back in just a second with uh, more. Let me tell you about uh, realestateagentsitrust.com. It's a um, it's a company that I started, and for me to be able to name a company real estate agents I trust, I had to be sure that there were lots of really good, hardworking, honest real estate agents that um, <clears throat> you know were all over the country that knew what they were doing. That's why my first business idea, Politicians I Trust, uh, never, uh, never really launched. Anyway, truth is, a lot of really good real estate agents out there, and they generally have the best ones, have the same marketing ideas. They're the ones with the big websites that actually have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people checking those websites and their listings every single month. So it creates demand. And that way, your house gets sold for top dollar and quicker than anyone else. These are the people with the track record. So if you are looking to buy or sell a house right now, I want you to go to realestateagentsitrust.com. If we have a real estate agent in your area, we will recommend one right away. It's a free service to you. We'll get back to you. Usually, it's, it's within an hour. Usually, it's five or ten minutes. Uh, but we'll try to get back to you right away, give you a name. You interview them. We've already vetted them and feel that these are the best people in your area. So just give it a whirl. Start there. Realestateagentsitrust.com. 10 seconds, station ID. There is a, there is a problem, and we're going to talk about it next hour. Um, and it really revolves around the word equity. Uh, equity and equality are very different. Equality, root word being equal. All men are created equal. And it focuses on the individual. Equity does not follow uh, and, and focus on the individual. Equity focuses on the collective, the group, that everyone will finish the same. So you have to compare yourself always to somebody else. What's the problem with Facebook? And well, I mean, this is a long list, but what's the first problem that we have with Facebook and social media is that you feel bad because you're constantly comparing yourself to somebody else. And you'll see, usually bogusly, you'll see, oh, well, they're really happy. They're really doing something. And I don't have that opportunity. And you feel bad about yourself comparing your position to anyone is a irrelevant and b a recipe for disaster that's equity an equal outcome that's not what america is based on next hour i'm going to show you how they are taking this equitable idea and destroying property rights they are destroying the individual 
This cannot stand. And it comes from Marx, from each according to his ability to each according to his needs. This is the problem. They say that we are unequal with one another. And yeah, we are. We're born equal, meaning we have the same rights. But what we do with those rights and our learned responsibilities is up to us. If you decide to go through school and skate, well, that's your choice. Oh, you didn't get a good grade. Well, you didn't study. Oh, I know, but I have problems at home. Okay, that's cool. And, you know, we can talk about that. Don't get that grade. No, your problem is you don't get that grade because that grade means something. It's a way for us as individuals to sort people and say, nope, this person is a performer. Now, you can come and say, well, but I have special circumstances. That's cool. That's cool. But I may, for instance, a surgeon. Yeah, I got all D's uh, in surgery. Uh, and I know you're looking for a new surgeon, uh, but I had a really tough time because I have a sleeping disorder. Okay. All right. Did you have that taken care of? Uh, nah, well, kind of. Okay. I need a surgeon that is the best. So that grade tells me you're not the best and you're not filling me with a lot of belief that you are correcting that problem and you are the best. So sorry, I don't want an equal doctor. I want the best doctor. And all of us know this. All of us know this. I don't want an equal bridge. I want the best bridge. If I am, if I'm driving over a big span of a Canyon, I don't want, well, all bridges, it's an equal outcome. No, uh-uh. no, it's not. I want to make sure that one was built by the best people and it's the best steel, etc., etc., etc. What's happening right now is we are now starting to, uh, we've done college ready uh, math benchmark scores. They are now uh, abolishing this, the SAT now is uh, uh, being abolished. You don't have to have an SAT. You don't have to take those if you don't want to. And colleges are like, yeah, it's racist. It's really kind of uh, a problem. University of California, the uh, system there for um, the university, ending the use of the SAT because it's a racist test. A thousand colleges have now said we're eliminating it. Graduate schools are also eliminating the GRE entrance exam. Virginia Department of Education getting rid of accelerated math courses for 11th grade because they improve equity in mathematics and learning opportunities. I need the best mathematician, not one who had the standards lowered for them. We're putting a man in space. I want to make sure the math is right. And what happens if it's not right? Some somebody dies. And then who gets the blame? The system, the group. Why didn't you have somebody else checking his math? You knew he didn't have the highest scores. Well, okay. Students who didn't sign the petition at the University of Columbia 
uh, last spring when medical students demanded they stop being graded by their professors. Students who didn't sign the petition were warned they would be outed for being willing to sit in their own privilege at the expense of their black and brown peers. Are you telling me that that doctors, medical students who are black or brown can't get a good grade? And if that's true, then maybe I shouldn't go to a doctor. I should start judging people by the color of their skin because you're telling me they're incapable of getting a good score. So are they incapable of being doctors too? Because I think that's really racist. Common sense, America. Common sense. We have to begin to take a stand on some of these things and a hard stand on them or we're going to lose everything. This is the Glenn Beck Program. By the way, I'll show you how to take that hard stand just in just about two minutes. Stand by. Time's almost up. Mother's Day is this weekend, which means that your chance to get something special for those moms in your life is rapidly disappearing. But before you break out, you know, in a panicky cold sweat, which I'm in right now, let me tell you uh, about something that she will absolutely love. I know because I've already gotten one for my wife and I would love another one for Father's Day for me. It's a legacy box. Super simple mail-in service to have all of your videotapes, camcorder tapes, film reels, pictures, all of them digitally preserved on a thumb drive. Grandma, I hate to break it to you, but you're getting one of these um, because we just had a death in the family. We're going through the pictures in there. They were all preserved as the way they should be back in the 80s and 90s. But now they're all they're all just disappearing. These pictures preserve the memories for a limited time legacy box is running a 50 percent off mother's day special order your legacy box today take advantage of this offer it is a great discount legacybox.com slash beck save 50 percent legacybox.com slash beck and head over to blaze tv.com slash the promo code is glenn you'll save 10 bucks off your subscription now to blaze tv Last night on Blaze TV, I did a uh, Wednesday night special based on the three biggest lies of race in America. Where we're going is just um, phenomenally bad. I mean, it's historically bad. You can you can find the examples of what we're doing at the beginning of every every genocidal movement in the world. Now, it doesn't have to end that way. But this is the way they started. So we were talking about race and in education, et cetera, et cetera. And Mark Robinson is a guy who, you know, I think you've heard before. Let me play a clip of where you might know him from. This is a YouTube clip. He's standing in front of, I think it was his city council. Listen, what I really came down here for is this. Uh, I've heard a whole lot of people in here talking tonight about this group and that group and domestic violence and blacks, these minorities and that minority. What I want to know is, when are you all going to start standing up for the majority? And here's who the majority is. I'm the majority. I'm a law-abiding citizen who's never shot anybody, never committed a serious crime, never committed a felony. I've never done anything like that. But it seems like every time we have one of these shootings, 
Nobody wants to blame, put the blame where it goes, which is at the shooter's feet. You want to put it at my feet. You want to turn around and restrict my right, constitutional right that's spelled out in black and white. You want to restrict my right to buy a firearm and protect myself from some of the very people you're talking about in here tonight. It's ridiculous. I don't think Rod Serling could come up with a better script. It does not make any sense. The law-abiding citizens of this community and many communities around this country, we're the first ones taxed and the last ones considered and the first ones punished when things like this happens because our rights are the ones that are being taken away. That's the this, reason why. I this was an amazing viral video. Mark, in case you lost track of him, as I did, has now become the lieutenant governor of North Carolina. He was a factory worker when he gave that speech a couple of years ago. He's now the lieutenant governor of North Carolina. Mark, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? Hey, Glenn. Thank you for having me again. It's a pleasure. You you bet. Uh, I am so impressed with you. Uh, but let me let me just pretend I don't know. Uh, and if, see if you could explain to those listeners who don't know what a lieutenant governor actually does. Can you tell me the responsibilities? I am. Uh, well, actually, I'm the president of the Senate. That's my number one responsibility. I preside over the Senate uh, on okay. his, uh, in his daily duties. Uh, I uh, sit on the state school board. I'm a voting member of the state school board. I sit on the Energy Oof. Commission. Uh, I also sit on the uh, State Economic Commission as well as the uh, Board of Governors uh, for the community colleges. Uh, other than that, uh, we kind of uh, do sort of what we want to do here. We have a huge bully pulpit, and we are using that uh, to our advantage here to push some agendas that we think definitely need to be pushed here in North Carolina. Man, I don't know if you're a religious guy, but uh, divine providence, I think, played a role uh, in finding you. So let's talk about what you're doing in the schools as, you know, a voting member of the uh, the school board. You are addressing indoctrination, which is happening all across the country. Um, and parents, some parents, I am really concerned about this. And we don't really know what to do because sometimes we had in our own community here, right down the street, we had two uh, council uh, members and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, uh, directors of the school board arrested because they were hiding the information on critical race what are you doing in north carolina that we should know about well uh you know indoctrination in schools is something that i've known about for years uh my children experienced it when they were in high school uh my uh, i've experienced it uh, and seen it firsthand at the university level i attended the university for the most part as an adult and I saw it a great deal uh, when I was uh, when I was uh, attending the university, and um, so we know it's a problem. And all throughout our campaign, we heard about it from parents and teachers uh, all across the state. And so, uh, the one thing that folks always push back against us and say, "Well, where's your proof that this exists?" Well, we are in the process now of proving that. Uh, we started a task force here in North Carolina in our office called uh, FAP. In fact, stands for fairness and accountability in the classroom for teachers and students. And what is what it's uh, aimed at doing is giving people who have been a victim of indoctrination in the classroom 
or at schools, no matter what their position may be, whether they be a principal, whether they be a teacher, whether they be a student, whether they be a parent, a place where they can come and lodge, lodge their complaints. We're going to look at those complaints, uh, disseminate them, and then we're going to make sure uh, that we deliver these things to the public. And finally, start the process of doing something about uh, this issue. This is not just a North Carolina issue. This is a national issue. And for my money, it has become a national crisis because we are no longer teaching our children what they need to learn in the classroom to be successful outside of the classroom. We have got to get education back into the business of education and out of the indoctrination platform. And so this is the first step in doing that. We're only teaching them how to be activists. We're not teaching them to be productive members of society, just activists. That's it. Absolutely. Uh, so that, that, you have who's on this board, this facts board, and and how, I mean, because people are afraid to come out and say anything. I know several parents that don't want to say anything because they're afraid their students are going to get hassled, you know, by the teacher or in grades or whatever. Um, that happens in college all the time. Students are afraid to disagree because there is no real freedom of speech and thought. In the place where it's supposed to happen, most definitely, it's important that it happens in education. Absolutely. That is, that is one of the most concerning things about this issue is there are people that are afraid to speak out. But we have 12 people on our board, 12 uh, very capable people on our board who, have, who are willing to fight this thing and have been fighting it, some of them, for a number of years. But what I like to try to remind people about being afraid is this. If you do not speak up against this tyranny now, it's not going to do you any good in the future. You're still going to have to suffer the dreadful effects of this tyranny at some point. And I can guarantee you, if we allow this tyranny to continue to exist, the price we will have to pay in the long term is going to be much steeper than the price we'll have to pay in the short term for standing up and bringing it to an end. So I'm encouraging people to speak up because there's going to be a price to pay either way. But again, that long-term price is going to be much more dreadful than the short-term price. I would encourage anybody who's in state government or even local government to look at facts uh, from North Carolina uh, and uh, just go to uh, ltgov.nc.gov, and I'm sure you'll find it there. Um, But I urge you to uh, consider putting something together like this for your um, community and you do have people from both sides and all sides that on this committee that understand the problem. So it's not just a, a right wing thing, right? Absolutely. There are people uh, from all across the community who are absolutely tired of our schools uh, being used uh, for political purposes. We need, again, we need to get back to the business of teaching our children what they need to know in order to be successful outside the classroom, to build businesses, to, to go into being doctors and lawyers, to be, to be plumbers, and, and all the great things that we need in our society. The classroom is not the place to push your views on people. The classroom is the place where you teach people how to build their own views, and uh, we, need to, we need to make sure that that's happening. Have you found a way, or, or by listening to people on the left, uh, I shouldn't say on the left, but, but think differently, um, how to talk to them about critical race theory? Because I know lots of people uh, are afraid of sitting down with somebody who they know, you know, voted for Biden, is in with a lot of this stuff, 
to talk about critical race theory because it'll go right to racist. You know, it goes right there. How do they, how are they approaching this? How do they view critical race theory in schools? A lot. Well, critical race theory is being pushed in our schools, sadly. But the thing that we have to understand, and, and, and again, this goes back to education itself. We have to go back and look at history and look at other ideologies that were pushed that were detrimental to our society. If you go back and look at the racist ideologies that were pushed in our in, in, in societies that had separate but equal and Jim Crow, many of them are the absolute, uh, they're absolutely just like the, ide- the ideologies we see in critical race mm. theory, except instead of it being uh, white people who were racist, it, were black, it was black people being demonized. And so mm-hmm. this ideology that we have to demonize someone else in order to uh, raise uh, uh, to raise the mobility of someone else is a fallacy. We do not do that in this nation. Equality is the key. And critical race theory flies in the face of equality because it tells white people you are automatically less than because you are white. That's not what we're supposed to be doing anymore. We're supposed to be telling black people that they're less than because they're black. We need to be teaching all of our students that you have equal worth and an equal say in this nation and that this racist idea that because your ancestors did something uh, terrible to someone else, that it's now your fault. It's just, it's patently wrong. Uh, you know, I like to say it like this. Uh, they love to say that our systems are racist. Our systems are not racist. It's not the systems that are racist. It are, it's some of the people who are in the system who are racist. We need to make sure that we're taking care of the people, and we need to make sure we allow the system to work like it should. Critical race theory doesn't allow us to do that, and therefore we need to make sure that it's not a uh, a part of what we teach in our schools. The lieutenant governor from North Carolina um, talking about facts, uh, the facts program for school indoctrination or against school indoctrination. You can find more information at the website, uh, ltgov.nc.gov. You can follow him at Mark Robbins, uh, Mark Robin, uh, NC. Mark Robinson, thank you so much. God bless yes, you. Sir. Thank you very much for having me again, Glenn. It's a pleasure. You bet. Uh, by the way, uh, there are other groups that, for instance, they're partnering uh, with Parents Defending Education, and they are just trying to connect parents and teachers um, while taking aggressive legal measures to resist indoctrinations uh, in our school. So you, you do have tools and I urge you to get involved. Parents Defending Education. Or, um, you know, you can look up Mark Robinson uh, if you're in North Carolina. Or in another state and you actually have an ability to start something in your state like this. Do it now. All right, our sponsor this half hour is Timeshare Termination. Timeshare Termination Team. These are the people who are, they're not, they're not people that used to be in the timeshare. You know, I used to sell these things, and uh, oof, whoa, those that was those are bad days. And uh, but now I know everybody in the timeshare industry, and I know how the tricks work. And so uh, I know I asked you to give me the money for the timeshare in the first place, but now I'm on the right side, and I'm going to call those people, and I'm going to get you out of that timeshare. Uh huh. I'd rather go to somebody who has not been in the timeshare industry, but maybe is somebody who was in the, I don't know, law industry. I'd rather have a big ass attorney firm uh, 
And that's what timeshare termination team is. These are attorneys that know the law, know exactly what to do, and can guarantee 100% money-back guarantee of getting you out of your timeshare. So get that monkey off your back. You'll get 20% off when you terminate your timeshare if you tell them that I sent you. So make sure you tell them uh, that Glenn Beck, you heard it from me. You'll get 20% off. It's 888-GET-YOU-OUT, 888-GET-YOU-OUT, or visit them online at timesharetermination-team.com. Timesharetermination-team.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck program. Uh, boy, Stu, I am just seeing property rights being eroded everywhere. Mm. Uh, yes. And uh, are you being sarcastic? Because that sounds like <laughs> no, Stu being I, sarcastic. I mean, there's two <laughs> huge stories over the past couple of days where this is happening, in my view. Uh, Give one, them to me. One is the, uh, the rights of these pharmaceutical companies that came oh, up with thank these you. vaccines. I want to talk about that at the beginning of next hour. And the other is uh, homeowners and their 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 rights to own uh, and rent their own properties. Uh, I crazy, right? And I hope this is a a, a a a beginning of a trend in which all of these restrictions that were I think blatantly unconstitutional in the first place are going to get overturned in court. But one big thing was the, the moratorium on evictions is in big trouble, and it should be. Right. Like the question to the court was, does the CDC have blanket authority to create a moratorium on uh, on people being uh, thrown out for not paying rent over the entire country just by themselves with no vote, with nothing? Do they have that authority? And the courts came to the decision. Uh, no, they do no. not have that power. Uh, so that's going to go. But up, they're going to make sure. this all about the, the Marxists in the media will make this all about. Oh, look at the big, mean, uh, yep. you know, property owners. You know, not all big property owners or small property owners are mean. No, some of them are just like you. Uh, and this is just the way they make their money. Instead of going to an office or a factory, this is the way they make their money. And they provide good housing for people at a fair and reasonable price. And it's a contract. And things happen. Well, why didn't the government, if they were going to bail anybody out, why didn't they bail the people who own the properties? Because they still had maintenance. They still had to pay for the utilities. And they still had to pay the mortgage. And let's not forget, the one thing they could really easily control is not make them pay taxes. But even Correct. that they had to continue to pay Correct. Uh, throughout all Correct. Of this. It's um, it's there is an attack on property rights. But again, it goes back to the Great Reset mm. of by 2030. They say you will not own anything and you'll like it. I don't think so. No, huh? no, because first of all, somebody's going to own something. Who will that somebody be? We're going to talk about that and the pharmaceutical companies next. This is the Glenn Beck Program.
Uh, our spotlight sponsor is Built Bar. Uh, most uh, most moms I know love Built Bars. My wife does. Uh, Stu's wife does. Mm-hmm. And she got us addicted to them. <laughs> Mother's Day is coming up. Uh, just solve the problem of what to get mom for Mother's Day. A box of Built Bars. Now, you know, it may not be something that you want to give mother. It's like, are you calling me fat, out of shape, uh, that I need healthy food? Yes, mom, because we want you around. Uh, Built Bars, they are fantastic. <laughs> they is. are fantastic. So not a advisable uh, Bil- way. You don't think card. so? No, no. Yeah, okay. All right. Yes, mom, that dress does make you look fat. <laughs> Have some Built Bars. BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code BEC15. Save 15% off your first order. Promo code BEC, BEC15. Great news. People pushing back in Montana. The new governor up in Montana said they are stopping some of the federally funded unemployment benefits to address the state's severe workforce shortage. Nearly every sector in our economy faces a labor shortage, says the governor. The vast expansion of the federal unemployment benefits is now doing more harm than good. Wait until you hear this whole story. You're going to want to move to Montana. I mean, I already do. And now they've got a great governor that is actually talking common sense. We begin there in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. All right. We really need to put our money where our heart is. We need to be able to look at these companies and say, do they... Do they agree with me, disagree with me? And if they disagree with me, here's the important question. Are they working against my interests? When it comes to cellular technology, the answer is almost always yes. And I mean, they are putting millions into things like Planned Parenthood, anti-Second Amendment things. You've got to stop giving these people money. Now, I would not come to you and say that if I didn't have a an equal or better option for you. And it is Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile has the broadest nationwide coverage. They use the same cell towers as all the other carriers. So you're going to get the same great service. They have plans that will fit any budget. They even have multi-line discounts. They'll make it super easy to switch. All you have to do is go to patriotmobile.com slash back or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. While you're at the website, you might as well enter to win a free phone and cellular service for life. All the details are at patriotmobile.com slash back. So get great coverage, get great customer service, everything you need at a lower price, and you're not baby, uh, uh, paying for uh, baby abortions. How great is that? MyPatriotMobile.com slash Beck. All righty. Let's uh, talk a little bit about Montana. Stu, I'm finding some governors that I absolutely love. Uh, still a little early. I haven't kissed this governor yet, so I, I we're not committed yet. 
But the last couple of times I've seen the governor of Montana come up, I've loved him. I've loved him. <laughs> Imagine. Don't do. Do you if, know this happens over and over again? You fall in love with these politicians for like two weeks, and then they do something you don't like, and then, and then there's just this, a nasty breakup, and you, you're on. It, it's like a reality with, TV show. I haven't had a breakup with uh, Governor Nome yet. Haven't had one. That's true. One. I mean, there's some that are stuck. I could. But imagine Governor Nome, uh, and we take some of her, and then we take Governor uh, Gianforte, and we make a baby. Imagine what kind of governor we might have. <laughs> I, I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why this has to happen <laughs> right. over and over again. I know. I know. Listen, uh, so what he has said is they're having a, sh- a shortage of workers and it's happening all over the country. And we know why it's happening. People are being paid more money by the federal government to stay at home than to go back to work. And why would you do that again? Human nature. So they're staying home. Well, they're having a huge uh, labor shortage in uh, Montana. And so the government knows that it is best for all of society if everybody is going to work and doing the things that they, you know, were trained to do. Uh, so they're they're cutting off the unemployment benefits, the federally funded unemployment benefits, just at least some of them. It's the extra $300 a month. And they're going to take that extra $300 a month and they're going to start uh, offering a return to work bonus to help every employer looking to hire. So they're switching the incentives around. Uh, Starting June 27th, if you are in Montana, you will lose access to the extra $300 in weekly unemployment benefits. You can retain your regular benefits. Contractors, gig workers, and others will also lose access to the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program, meaning those workers won't get any benefits. This is going to really impact. I'll bet you you see Montana roar back to life and possibly without a lot of local inflation. Uh, Maybe. You'll just see them go back to work, and if they can produce products, that helps lower inflation. The more we pay th- this, I just cannot believe that everyone in the government is this stupid. The, everything that they are doing is destroying the work ethic, the business, property rights, freedom of speech rights. Everything they're doing is destroying what we have built. And I'm sorry, it's just no accident. Uh, And I support any of these states doing what they have to do to get people and uh, get people back to work and to enhance freedom, enhance freedom. I don't support you if you're like, you're going to go to work or you're going to go to jail. But anything that you can do that is within the constitutional power, do it, do it. You, um, I know. Obviously, you like to have evidence to support your claims. So, and you didn't provide any. So, let me at least ask you if you have some. What evidence? We had him on. Remember? No, no. Remember we had him on. I didn't ask the question. All right, go ahead. What evidence do you have that the people in the government are not that stupid? Okay, I don't have the evidence. Okay, I don't. I didn't think so. It sounded like a wild claim. (laughs) 
Yeah, other mm. than they're all Ivy League, you know, churned out, which makes them all social justice warrior activists. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I have no evidence. <laughs> no evidence. I haven't seen much, I will say, over yeah. the years. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Um, can we go back to the uh, permanent housing crisis that our government is is creating now? So the forbearance and mortgage bailout. Uh, forbearance is just, you know, a fancy way of saying uh, they don't have enough money to pay for this. And so we're going to have to rewrite the loan or we're going to have to kick them out. But we can't kick them out because the government won't let us kick them out. Bank of America came out last week and they said that I think I think it was Bank of America was 22 percent. Um, and Bank of America generally has had higher standards on mortgages than some of the other banks. They think now that 30 to 35% of all mortgages are going to be in default the minute you take the forbearance uh, CDC dictate out. So here's what happened. Um, Yesterday, it was taken out, and Biden has said, no, you're not going to do that. No, we're going to fight this one. Uh, And so what's happening is we are causing all kinds of other problems. We are causing now the actual landowners, the people who have the actual mortgages to the bank. We have them under stress because they're not getting the money. The money, if I mean, if you're going to do this and say the federal government is going to pay the the rent, nobody's going to lose their house because we told you to stay home. And so we'll pay the rent. Well, they're not doing that. They're just saying we're going to send you money. They send the people in the house money, but the people are not required then to pay that to their landlord. And so they're not. So the government is screwing the banks now because the banks have all of this debt and somebody's got to pay the bank. But I don't think the banks are all that concerned because they'll print more and get it from the Fed. Then you have all of the business people, all of the people who think of think of how many people are behind the eight ball because the government said they had to do something. Everyone else is getting bailed out, but you're not because you don't have a special CDC category. I know a lot of people. This is this is screwing and creating. Um, what was it called in the 1930s? Do you remember? It was like the Invisible Man, or it the was Forgotten uh, Man. The Forgotten Man. Mm-hmm. The Forgotten Man. We are creating the Forgotten Man. In fact, play the audio that we had from the lieutenant governor today when he made this viral vi- video. This guy was a just a, a worker on, in a factory, on a factory floor. He went to Greensboro to the city council because they were talking about, you know, what are we going to do to restrict guns? And he just started, he just gave this speech. Now he's not a factory worker anymore. Now he's the lieutenant governor. He was just elected. But listen to this, because he talks about the forgotten man. What I really came down here for is this. Uh, I've heard a whole lot of people in here talking tonight about this group and that group, and domestic violence, and blacks, these minorities and that minority. What I want to know is, when are you all going to start standing up for the majority? And here's who the majority is. I'm the majority. 
I'm a law-abiding citizen who's never shot anybody, never committed a serious crime, never committed a felony. I've never done anything like that. But it seems like every time we have one of these shootings, nobody wants to blame, put the blame where it goes, which is at the shooter's feet. You want to put it at my feet. You want to turn around and restrict my right, constitutional right that's spelled out in black and white. You want to restrict my right to buy a firearm and protect myself from some of the very people you're talking about in here tonight. It's ridiculous. I don't think Rod Serling could come up with a better script. It does not make any sense. The law-abiding citizens of this community and many communities around this country, we're the first ones taxed and the last ones considered and the first ones punished when things like this happens because our rights are the ones that are being taken away. That's the reason why I came down here today. Gun show or no gun show, NRA or no NRA. I'm here to stand up for the law-abiding citizens of this community. Because I'm going to tell you that what's going to happen. You can take the guns away from us all you want to. You all write a law, I follow the law, I'll bring my guns down here, I'll turn them in. But here's what's going to happen. The Crips and the Bloods on the other side of town, they're not going to turn their guns in. They're going to hold on to them. And what's going to happen when you have to send the police down there to go take them? The police can barely enforce the law as it is. It's what I see. We demonize the police, criminalize and, and, and vilify the police, and we make the criminals into victims. And we're talking about restricting guns? How are you going to do that? How are you going to do that when the police department's already hamstrung? You're not going to be able to go down here and take these guns from these criminals. So the criminals are going to hold on to their guns. They're still going to have them. They're still going to break in my house, and they're still going to shoot me with them. And guess who's going to be the one that suffers? It's going to be me. Well, I'm here to tell you tonight, it is not going to happen without a fight. And when I say fight, I don't mean shots fired. I don't mean fists thrown. I mean I'm going to come down here to this city council and raise hell just like these loonies from the left do until you listen to the majority of the people in this city. And I am the majority. This guy is He's fantastic. Awesome. Fantastic. How did we miss his election? Yeah. His rise from factory worker there two years ago to now the lieutenant governor of North Carolina. And, and the guy is fantastic. Not but only what he's saying is mm -hmm. exactly right. Yes. Yes. I mean, it could have been possibly the global pandemic and, um, and, and everything else going on. We did miss it, though, yes. because I'm sure people in North Carolina are like, yeah, we were watching this closely. But I will also right. say, looking at the North Carolina results, uh, not only did uh, Mark Robinson uh, outperform the Republican uh, gubernatorial candidate, but also outperformed Donald Trump in North Carolina. I mean, you know, the, the, the left has got to be terrified of this guy. This oh, is yeah. this is like their worst yeah. nightmare. A guy who could speak plainly, who's smart, who knows what he's talking about, who knows his rights. Uh, this is the type of uh, candidate that is going to uh, rock you know, the has world. Them, you know, and he's black. And he's black. And the Democratic govern, uh, uh, governor was talking about how you just can't make it. It is state of the speech, state of the state speech. I think last week, hmm. you know, you just can't make it because of uh, uh, because of just this systemic racism you're just not going to be able to make it standing right beside him was the new lieutenant governor who was a factory <laughs> worker two years ago and i talked to him about it and he was like i you know i mean it, it and he didn't mention him at all 
it's a historic thing. But he didn't mention him at all because it goes to prove everything you're saying, Governor, is a lie. Is this, though, does does he really count as an African-American, Glenn? No, he doesn't. It, no, I mean, that he is likes the, guns. It's the way they treat him. I mean, oh, I, I know. If he doesn't, if you don't align with these views, you lose oh, I know. your color. I know. Here's the thing. Here's what's here's what's coming. And and here's how I know it's true. What's coming is the forgotten man of every color. The the people who are law abiding citizens, they are going to find themselves under the screws of almost everybody because of inflation, because of jobs, because of the new ESG, the Great Reset. They feel like they haven't been listened to and they eventually are going to rise up. And that is exactly what they want. And how do I know that? Well, that's why they're dismantling the police right now. They want strife and they want chaos. That's what they need. So the last thing we should do is to play into chaos. But they are coming after our police. They're coming after the people that might agree with the forgotten man in the military. And they are grabbing control of these. That's why they want to federalize the police. Because if they can do that, they have America by the throat. By the throat. Support your local police. Support your local sheriff's department. Really, really important. And never, ever forget, you're not alone. You're not the only one that feels this way. You're, you are in the majority. We just keep quiet. And that's got to stop. American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Sarah, who just wrote into us, said that she, uh, she heard about American Financing through the blaze and decided to give them a try. She told me they are fantastic. Uh, we were assigned a, a whole team to take care of us. They were amazingly helpful. Great communication all around. And above that, uh, we got a great interest rate to boot, 2.75. Thank you so much. Uh, boy, Sarah, it's, you're welcome. Uh, all I did was pass on the information of these people. Is a, they're a family-run, uh, owned, and operated business. They've been in business, you know, I don't know, since before the uh, great crash. Their customers weathered those storms because they don't work for the bank. So they weren't high-pressuring anybody to get into a really super, super loan that you couldn't really afford. That's why I do business with them is because I've watched them for years. It's American financing. American financing can help you with a new mortgage, getting your interest rate to the lowest. They can help you refi to change your interest rate, get it to the lowest. They can also help you get out of all of the high interest credit card debt by rolling them into your mortgage without resetting your mortgage. It's American Financing. Spend 10 minutes, see if they can help you out. American Financing, the number is 800-906-2440, 800-906-2440, or go to AmericanFinancing.net. 10 seconds, station ID. Oh, boy. Hey, um, before we get too far down the week, um, did you see that picture from the Carter Center? Do we have the original picture from the Carter Center uh, with uh, Jill and Joe Biden and the Carters? Yeah, there it is. 
if you if you look at that, I know this went around and, and it became a meme uh, for a lot of things, but we're we're a much more serious program and we look at these scientifically. Um, it looks as almost as though Joe Biden is so big that Mrs. Carter is like a ventriloquist puppy uh, puppet. Yeah, right. It does. I mean, it really she does. Looks teeny and he looks huge. And it's interesting to see that the only time the Bidens aren't wearing masks is when they're around really frail old people. <laughs> Um, but maybe that's just me. And we were talking about how huge they were. And the problem is you don't have any perspective. I mean, you just assume that, you know, everything is as it is. And uh, so we decided, I said, let's put something that everybody knows into that scene so we can have some perspective to see how small the, the Carters are or how big the Bidens are. And so we took Andre the Giant and it was shocking. <laughs> Uh, if you're watching the blaze, you'll, we'll wow. tweet this out for you. Yeah. Wait, so isn't that amazing? The Carters actually aren't small at all. No, they're actually quite no. large. Yeah. Because, uh, you'll see, I mean, Andre, the giant, he, right after this picture was taken, he popped up onto the lap of, uh, Mrs. Carter. <laughs> And, uh, they are enormous. Yeah. They're enormous in real life. And the Biden's even bigger. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Biden's are yeah. gigantic. Yeah, they're monsters. They're monsters <laughs> in almost every way. Um, I'm sorry, Dr. Monsters. Dr. Monsters. Dr. Monsters, and yes. Mm-hmm. Dr. Monsters. That is really one of the strangest photos I've ever seen in my life. It really, I Isn't know it? sometimes perspective can play with the way things look, but like it, they, both of the Carters look like they're three foot one. Yeah, Or the Bidens look like they're right. 11 feet tall. One of the two. Right, right. It looks like almost like they're in like, you know, play furniture you know what i mean yeah. like in a kid's room <laughs> yeah. and they're kids they just i mean have they have they gotten that so i know people when they get old get smaller but that not that small right and especially once you put andre the giant into that picture it is remarkable it's remarkable i don't know what's going on with the carters but i know when you start to head towards massive inflation the thing that you want to do is take pictures with the president that is known most for inflation and stagflation. It's good for your numbers, Joe. Good for your numbers. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Not wearing a mask. I mean, the whole thing doesn't make sense. All right, let me tell you about RecTech. Uh, the products that I talk about on this program, I truly believe in. I will not take a client I don't believe in. Uh, if I use the product, I will tell you I use the product. If I say I don't use it, but I hear I'm told, I will tell you that. Rectech is a product that I believe in. Rectech is a product that I use. Rectech is a product that I love. I love it. I am the worst at grilling out. I didn't learn it from my dad. I don't know how you learn it. I just met a new friend and he I was over at his house and he's like, I hope you like your steaks either wildly raw or burned to a crisp. And I said, that's the way I cook them all the time. Absolutely. I don't know what it is, but until I got a Rectech, I couldn't cook anything outside because I just don't, I don't have that skill. The Rectech has that skill. It's a fantastic built to last. I mean, after the nuclear winter, Rectech, R-E-C-T-E-Q.com, Rectech.com. So much great content on Blaze TV. You can be a subscriber and help stop conservative censorship at blazetv.com slash Glenn. Promo code is Glenn. 
This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to Thursday. We have a dear friend joining us now, really talented filmmaker, a guy who everybody says, yeah, you got to get into culture. He's actually doing it and making a big impact. He has changed Swedish uh, immigration policy, U.S. trade policy, education policy here in the country. He has been on ships, you know, tracking down jihadist pirates. I think he's a lunatic. But he's actually really, really smart and on our side. Um, and he's just put a new video out. Uh, I'm going to play about a minute of it, but this is I'll tell you where to get it here in a second. This is worth watching and reposting and spreading in your network. It is Ami Horowitz on the streets of New York talking about the rich paying their fair share. So do you think that the poor pay a higher percentage of their income? Yes. Or the rich? They, they do pay a higher percentage the of their poor. Yeah, they do, yeah. Oh, the lower class, definitely. Pay more? Yeah. Lower income people. Poor people. So the 1% earn about 25% of all the income in America. So well, there you go. If we're talking about fair share, right. then, you know, if you're bringing in 25% of the income, 25% of the taxes should also... That would be fair. Come, you know, I would think so, yeah. And would you be surprised if I told you that the top 1% pay 40% of all I taxes? Would be surprised, yeah. Would it surprise you if I said the rich, the 1%, pay 40% of all taxes in America? Interesting. Would surprise me. Yeah. Do they? Yeah. Oh, interesting. So a little, little more fair than you might have thought. Yeah. What percent of income do you think the top 1% pay? I think they're paying like freaking 2% of that. They're paying 27%. What? 27%. Ami Horowitz, welcome to the program. Amazing. It's How a are pleasure. You, and by the way, such a wonderful pleasure to be in a town where I don't have to wear a mask and get people yelling at me and screaming at me <laughs> and, oh and mask shaming me. That mm. is awesome. Yeah. Texas is, is a pretty awesome place to live. Uh, I can't imagine what it's like in New York. I was up in Connecticut a few weeks ago. We had a death in the family and I had to go up to Connecticut. And it was like a... F it, was, it was like... I thought Elon Musk had drugged me, put me into a spaceship, and he had already populated Mars, and it looked like Connecticut, but it was completely Martian. I, 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 the people there, it's a mental illness now. It, oh, it is. really it, it's is absolutely a mental become illness. mental illness. There's no question about it. No, I mean, look, most of these people are vaccinated, but they will wear. You, they, you will see them running in the park wearing masks. I saw, I saw a guy riding a horse wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm surprised right. he didn't put a mask on the horse. That's, I, um, I would just <laughs> like to point out, um, I've seen a lot of things in New York, but an exception of a cop, I've never seen anybody riding a horse in New York. No, there, there, are, there are horses in, uh, in Central Park. Yes, you can ride a horse. You can walk. You can walk. You can ride a horse in Central Park. It's true. You can ride a horse in Central. I mean, you rent it there, or do you have to bring your own horse? They 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 used to have these stables right off of Central Park. They've now kind of right. changed them, but they still have horses right. that you could you could rent out. Yeah. <laughs> huh. They don't really run. They're just walking. But, yeah, because yeah. they're probably beaten to that. They're like, I can't live in this city one more day. I just can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. Where's uh, the glue factory, man? Right. So you were on the streets of New York and. I mean, one of the guys that you were talking to was full-fledged Marxist. Oh, yeah. And what was, what was shocking about this was how certain all of them were 
about facts that were completely untrue and then uh, surprised, but not like embarrassed that they had it so wrong. You know, I actually a lot of my videos are look, they're they're important, but they're dark because they're just they're I'm showing the underbelly of the left. Right. And what they mm-hmm. actually believe. This video is a little more hopeful because as as certain as they were about faulty faulty facts about taxes, uh, which, by the way, this is this is if you ask anybody on the left, right, they would they would say the same thing that these people on the video saw. Of course, the rich Mm -hmm. pay more. Of course, the rich don't pay. I mean, the, the, the poor pay more and the rich don't pay their fair share. But the hopeful part of this video was when they were confronted with the facts, with the actual reality of what tax policy is. They reversed themselves and they said, that actually does sound fair, right? And this is, and, and it's a hopeful video in the sense that we are right on the facts, okay? We are right on the facts. And if we're able to get that out there, we could win this argument because let me tell you. Easily. The, the class warfare issue is going to be the battle. We, it's not going to be the race issue. And the race issue is really, when, when I spend a lot of time with BLM protesters, I start scratching the surface and, and presenting them with the facts, right, about how many people were actually killed unarmed by black people by white police officers. Right, right, they, right. They, they, will, they will accept that and poo-poo it, and they'll, then it'll switch to a class issue. Because ultimately, what is critical race theory? Critical race theory is simply a, a, a slight deviation from class theory yeah. of Marx. You have something, that, or you don't have something because this other class that happens to be white has it. Right. And the real battle is not going to be race. It's going to be class. And there is, you know, the studies have showed over and over again that a significant portion of youth in this country want communism. Not social democrat, not not to be social democrats like the Europeans. I'm talking about straight up Marxism, communism, the destruction of the free market. We it is not quite a majority or a polarity, but it's getting there. It's over 20%, 25%. I'll tell you this, Ami, um, you can see it. Um, you can see people being able to rationalize it at some point as well, because the government has been so corrupt. They have done so much with, you know, in the last year, we've spent $19 trillion. Where's that money? That's not going to the average person. That is going to giant corporations. It's going to graph. I mean, it's no one is actually feeling the impact of that. And when you start to see real inflation, you will look at the bank and go, you got all of that money from 2008. I got nothing. I got nothing. And you're going to start looking at these companies that are now lecturing us, Coca-Cola, on how we have to live our life, et cetera, et cetera, and what's good and what's bad. And you're just going to look at all of these people and say, you are my enemy. You are my enemy. And you'll put all people in that category, just like we do now. If you're a a conservative, you're evil. If you're a liberal, you're a Marxist. It's not true, but that's the way human nature does it. And Marxism encourages it. Yeah, look, there's there's no question. I think that the... the, the lack of understanding, you know, and what, I guess Joe Biden must have gotten a tour of the Treasury building and he goes, wait a second, we own the printing press? I can just print <laughs> as much money as I want? <laughs> what? I mean, that's what it must have been like, right? What do we yeah. have, $10 trillion in new spending? Trillion, $10 trillion. And that's your point. The point is no regular person is going to feel that because our economy is too big. The country's too big. 
that even those kind of numbers don't really have an impact. And yes, and most of that money end up going through fraud and waste. And they're going to say, well, what happened? What happened to this money that we sent? And then, when when, you, of course, when the yeah. bill comes due and inflation hits, right? And then they're really going to feel it. And that's where they're going to say, what happened here? It is the, the biggest uh, theft ever. And we've gone through somewhat... We've gone through some of this before, not, you know, um, Marx believed that capitalism was evil and twisted and and was exactly what it has now become. And he, he so his idea of people rising up against the upper class is accurate if you are like the upper class appears to be and not all upper class. I mean, the institutionalized upper class is they are getting benefits that no one else is seeing. Uh, and we've gone through it before. I was with Jay Leno at his garage a few years ago, and he has this beautiful Bugatti. It's this big old 1929 Bugatti. And my son ran up to it. He was little, and I think he had peanut butter on his hands. And I'm like, <laughs> don't do it. And uh, Jay was like, no, go on, sit in. That's what it's for. I mean, it was really crazy. Um, but as he was in touching everything and leaving jam prints over this Bugatti, <laughs> I said to uh, I said to Jay, uh, what a beautiful car. And he said, better story behind it than it is beautiful. He said that car was purchased in 1929 in New York by a guy who was head of an industry. He said, um, he never drew uh, never drove it by the time he got it it was too dangerous for him to be seen in the bugatti he said that car ended up uh they took it apart and they used it as a truck they just completely took this amazing car away and used it as a truck because every time that car would be seen it was class warfare and you're a bad guy because you have that car and by the way, today you're, that's scary. Today you're dressed like Jay as well. <laughs> There's a lot of denim going on. You're right. But yeah, but, there is a lot of denim going on. Nothing. And the white hair. That's right. <laughs> nothing scares me more than class warfare. Look, when you go to Europe, one of the one of the one of the many differences between Europeans and us is that the Europeans are jealous of people in the upper class. If you have a mm -hmm. if you have a beautiful car in London or in, or or in, in Paris, oftentimes friends of mine who have those kind of cars, they get keyed. Because people are so disgusted that they have that kind of wealth and I don't. And here, this country was so beautiful about it is we're aspirational. We look at people yeah. with beautiful cars and your thinking is not, I need, that. why does he have that car and not me? You think, I want that car. I'm going to do what it takes to get that car or that house or whatever it is. And we are losing that beautiful aspirational part of our country because the left has engaged us in this damaging class warfare which like I, I can't repeat it enough it will be the battle for the next 10 years for the soul of this country more than any other issue that we're facing it's the class warfare uh issue that will will either sink us or will take us ahead for the next 100 years so i want to take a break and come back and i want you to answer this question when we come back do we make it 10 years do we have enough in our tank do we have enough tools and enough people that understand those tools to be able to put up a fight and to win this fight, especially when 
everything seems to be going in the other direction. I'll have you answer that when we come back. First, our, uh, our sponsor this half hour is LifeLock. Cyber criminals, hey, they're people too, okay? They're not very good people, but they are people. And, you know, you can do what you can only do. Sponsor a cyber criminal today who's living probably in his mom's basement. You can sponsor him for pennies a day. Well, maybe not pennies. You know what you could do is just give to that cyber criminal by doing nothing to protect all of the information that you just dump online every single day. Because cyber criminals are people, too. They have kids to feed or kids to sell. I don't know what kind of business or what, what they anyway, LifeLock. If you don't want to sponsor a cyber criminal, LifeLock is there for you. They will detect a wide range of identity threats from these guys uh, who are living in their mom's basement or in many cases in Putin's buildings. Uh, they will detect your information. If it's been compromised, they'll send you an alert. Plus, you have access to a dedicated restoration specialist if you become a victim. And they have that, which most don't. They have that because they know how tough it is and that they can't protect everything. They can't catch everything because it's changing every day. Right now, you can save up to 25% off your first year at lifelock.com with the promo code BECK. So call them at 1-800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK, or lifelock.com and use the promo code BECK. Get 25% off now and help these cyber criminals move out of Putin's basement. The Glenn Beck Program. Three minutes. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We welcome back to the program uh, Ami Horowitz, who a lot of people do man on the street stuff. I believe he is by far the best at this. He gets people to talk and engage and nobody feels stupid in the end. And you gain some real understanding. Uh, and they're great to share uh, with people, especially on the other side. Ami, welcome back. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So... Let's let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, the whole idea of there will be an America that we all recognize in 10 years. Yeah, there will be in 10 years for sure. hundred uh, percent. There's so much gas in the tank from over the past few decades of success that they'll they'll carry us for a decade or two. Having said that. It's the next 10 years which will decide the fate for the next 100 years. We'll know the answer in 10 years. We'll know the direction the country is going in, in 10 years. Of that, I have no doubt. In which direction we will go, it is up in the air and is up to us to fight for us to win that well, we bat- know ideological which, battle. We know which direction the, the Biden administration is going to take us, um, and that is into a whole new... Um, uh, kind of, I mean, they're they're talking about resetting and doing, you know, getting rid of capitalism and into stakeholder capitalism, which is not capitalism; it's an oligarchy. So we know that they are on this path right now, and that, I mean, I think they've got a short time period to pull that off. They've got about two years, unless they they completely destroyed the election process by then. Yeah, one of the most um, insidious parts of the left is their changing of the language right mm-hmm. uh they're, de- they're 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 denuding of power from words like racism is a meaningless word now right um and and one of the things they've done and if you've noticed it that 
what the word that the left used most often was equality, right? Yep. That was the buzzword of, and what have they changed it to? You are so right. Equity. 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 And what does that mean? There's a very specific meaning to, to their version of the word equity, which means ownership. And what it means is we have to get equal outcomes, right? What was equality? Equal opportunity. That is a disgusting notion to them now. Now they want equal outcome, and that's what equity gives them. Um, well, I'd love to invite you back tomorrow because Thanks. you understand the mind of the left probably better than anybody else. And uh, I'd, li- I'd like to peer into that mind. Ooh, it's uh, a dark mind. Can see. It's a dark, it's a dark place. Uh, also, Bill O'Reilly will be joining us tomorrow, our Friday episode. You don't want to miss it. And Jordan Peterson today on the podcast. This is the Glenn Beck Program.